Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on Memorial Day weekend. My name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and we're thrilled to be wrapping up a series this week called Life Intentionally. But before we do that, I'd like to just take a moment and kind of pause uh, to kind of talk a little bit about the weekend. Here we are, Memorial Day weekend, and I know a lot of us probably have plans for the weekend. Maybe we're getting together with friends or family, and that's amazing, and that's awesome, and we even should. But uh, make sure you take some time this weekend to really think about the nature of what this weekend is. There are those, of course, that have served and have fallen uh, to uh, offer their ultimate sacrifice to help play their part in giving us the freedoms that we enjoy this weekend, uh, not only to celebrate and enjoy uh, those things that they fought for, but also even to uh, openly and freely worship and not have to worry about, um, you know, who's coming in the door next and things of that nature. So let's make sure that we, we pause and we reflect and, and we salute those that have done that. And then, of course, make sure that you say a prayer for those that, uh, there are those of you I know even in this room that have lost a loved one or lost a friend or a fellow soldier. And so make sure that you're praying for them as well. That, that's no small thing, and we want to make sure that we lift up those that have lost someone in a real way. And so uh, let's make sure to really spend time this Memorial Day doing just that. Matter of fact, would you say a prayer with me before we get rolling here? Father, we are so grateful for um, really this life of blessing that we, we live in. Lord, the, the rest of the world does not always enjoy the types of freedoms and the type of lifestyle that seems very matter-of-fact and day-to-day to us. Um, Lord, there are those certainly that have given the ultimate sacrifice, and even you say... Uh, Lord, that no one has a greater love than this, but then giving up their life for their friends. And we know that that is something that is in, uh, incredible, not just to be willing to do, but to actually do it. Father, for those in the room that have lost someone close to them, we lift them up and we ask that you would surround them with compassion and grace, that you would help uh, them feel honored to be um, attached to someone with such bravery and dedication and for that sacrifice that's paid off in great, great ways. Lord, we love you and we serve you. We depend upon you. And today we ask that you would speak to our hearts and help us always have a a somber uh, look at this reality, even as we enjoy the freedoms that they've helped pay for. We love you, Lord. We're here to follow you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So as I mentioned, we're um, in this series where really we've been talking about this concept of know it, live it, and give it away, which is a really big deal here at Grace Church. Um, It's a big part of our main philosophy, who we are, what we do, the purpose that we try to achieve, even as we would look one another in the eye and say, you know, kind of how are you doing spiritually? Uh, On some way, we should be talking through this grid, right? Like how are you knowing it? How are you living it? How are you giving it away as we pursue a relationship with God together? And for the last couple of weeks, Pastor Jeff has walked us through this idea of know it, right? Where how do we engage the scripture? How do we get into the Bible? And this is so, so important because if we want to really connect with the heart of God, if we want to know the creator, if we want to know what he's about, what he cares about, how he wants to interact with us, then we must be getting into the scripture. There is so much richness there and understanding and getting involved into the scripture. And so he walked us through that two weeks ago. And then last week he talked about live it. And so we engaged this idea of the intentionality behind actually sharing lives with one another. That the best way for us to live out not only our faith but our life is to allow our lives to be poured into with others. 
And so to allow people to sharpen us, to challenge us, to love us, to offer that compassion, and then, of course, to offer that in return, to know and to be known. And so if you missed either of those weeks, I want to highly encourage you to go back. If you missed it because it's so incredibly foundational, but even if you didn't miss it, maybe you heard it, if it's something that you still feel like you haven't locked into, use those types of resources to continue to dive in. Let's make sure that one another, we are walking in stride, pursuing Jesus together in all the ways that we possibly can. Now, some of the ways in which this really kind of blossoms for us is understanding a couple of key truths. And as I was getting ready for this weekend, I was reminded of a couple of verses that have really impacted me over the years. Um, because as we talk about what this really means, and I'm going to skip past a slide here, so don't worry, it's not a glitch, all right? But I want to talk about this uh, verse here, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone, the new is here. As we begin this life of understanding what it means to know Jesus, to understand a living out our lives in Jesus, we realize that our life is not one where we're just uh, finally trying to become a better version of ourselves. We're not just trying to become a better Joe. For you, that's a really good thing. You don't want to be me. Okay, but for all of us, we're not just trying to become a better version of ourselves. We're actually, as we give our lives to Christ, God is helping us see that the old is gone and something new is happening, that we become a new creation and something actually spiritually changes in us and our life begins to transform. And then one of my favorite scriptures of all time is found in Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ. That old has gone away with the crucifixion of Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As we give our lives to Christ and we engage in this idea of knowing it and living it, Christ is actually living through us. Our life actually becomes an extension of God, right? And so this is a big deal because it's not just us trying harder, it's us understand that we actually have a full relationship with who God is because it, the whole idea of knowing it and living it and now giving it away is that we are engaging the story of Jesus. That our lives are actually being knit together to understand who is Christ and how does his life unite with mine and vice versa. And so it's this awesome understanding as we get into these concepts. And that's why I want to encourage you, if either know it or either live it, it's something that you feel like you still haven't kind of like really grappled with, really understood. You don't feel that as a natural part of your life to continue to go back to those resources and watch those build up. Now, when I was in college, I, I gave my life to Jesus about a week after I graduated high school. And so uh, as I went into college, not only was I figuring out what college was like and I was playing football and trying to figure out what I wanted to major in and all those things, um, I was also trying to figure out my faith. And so I was pretty much diving in to everything I possibly could. Uh, we had multiple groups on campus. I think I was a part of a different ministry almost every night of the week. I was just trying to learn what I had kind of just said yes to. I was diving into the Bible. I was meeting up with these different people and saying, how are you living out your faith? How is your life coming together? And so they were sharpening me and helping me. And we even had some weird groups on campus. I didn't know we're weird at the time, but looking back, I'm like, I probably wouldn't do exactly that again. But 
but we were doing all these different things just trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus. And so I was getting into the scripture nonstop. I was meeting with these groups of people all the time, very regularly. And for about two years, I just felt like all of a sudden Jesus was kind of coming alive in my life. Things were changing in me. It was absolutely incredible. This is what, if you don't know Jesus yet, this is what your friends who do are talking about when they say like something is different in my life. They're experiencing Christ start to live in them and their life is actually changing and they want us all to experience that. And I was starting to feel that uh, adjustment. It was incredible, that transformation. But then about two years in, about the end of my sophomore year of college, I suddenly felt like I kind of hit this wall where like suddenly something wasn't clicking, something wasn't connecting, something just didn't seem right. And I was, again, I was in the scriptures, I was meeting in these groups, but something was wrong. And I kept going, I'm like, maybe I can find something in the Bible that will answer this for me. Maybe I can talk with one of my friends, but something in that arena just wasn't happening. And I'll cut to the chase and just tip my hat now. What what was missing was the fact that I was not allowing Christ to live in and through me. Up until that point, my faith was all about me, me, just me and Jesus. What could God do in me? How can I get right with God? What, what, What could happen differently in my life if God got a hold of me? What sins could he help me overcome? What What issues could he help? How can I be a stronger version of myself? And that's what so much of my faith was. That's why I was exploring the scripture to try to figure that part out. That's why I was meeting with other people so they could help me become a better version of myself. But then as I really continued to hit passages like this, I realized I wasn't letting Christ live through me and to begin to impact other people. It was all about me. And as I began to explore what that would look like, what I ended up stumbling on is this concept that's actually all over the scripture but this concept of what it means to give it away, this concept of what it means to actually give our lives to other people, and that's a lot of what I want to walk through with you today. Let's take a look at a couple of passages in your Bibles. If you want to open up to the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to hit a couple of different passages in there. So it's the first book in the New Testament. If you have your app, you can follow along with the app. If you have the U version, it's really easy to find. If you have your Bible, uh, you can either use the table of contents. We're going to be in a couple different chapters in there. So open up to the book of Matthew. We're going to get started um, in the, uh, that's, that's the logo, but that's fine. We're going to get started here in Matthew chapter 6. And this is a fina- uh, fascinating passage where Jesus is really talking about what it means to actually invest ourselves in things that are important. And I love how he puts this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is pointing out the fact that when we invest ourselves into things, our heart follows, right? So um, when I was uh, in college, when I finally got my first car, for about the next four years, I owned about five cars, and they total cost me about 500 bucks. They were awesome vehicles, let me just tell you. My first car, when I got it, was about a 12-year-old Chevy Cavalier. I think it had like 203,000 miles on it when I got it. Okay, this thing was incredible, and we called it the Red Cricket, all right? Not because that was a cool nickname, because, but because it always had sounds coming out of it, and we had no idea why, and it was just something you lived with, so it was the Red Cricket, all right? It, it was awesome. But when it finally died about 20,000 miles later, someone gave me a van, 
And that might be like, wow, that, like someone gave you a van. How nice. And it was, and I needed it. But let me tell you something. It took about eight months to get the stank out of that thing. Like it was so bad. Like anytime someone needed a ride, I'm like, I promise it's better for you to either hang on to the roof or walk. But if you really want a muscle weight, but when I got rid of that, I got myself a 12-year-old Pontiac Grand Prix. And this thing was awesome, right? I mean, like the seat just like leaned way back, you know, and you're like driving down the road, get your elbow. Not because it was cool, but because the seat wouldn't come up any farther. So it was just kind of like, this is where you sat in the car. It, it was something. And somehow my wife stood with me. That was the car I had when we met, and here we are. But like, I just had these cars that they were just in one month, out the other, right? They just fell apart, and it was like I, it's like I went to the junkyard to pick one out to drive, right? It was just, that's what it was. But I remember when I was about 23 years old, I was finally gonna buy a car that was gonna get me past this, like, hoopty hump, right? Like, I'm just gonna get past these beater cars, and I'm finally gonna get a real one. And so I saved up some money, and I bought myself a brand-new eight-year-old Volkswagen, all right? Like, this thing was awesome. And I loved it, right? I mean, I just felt like I was riding on cloud nine. I mean, as far as I could tell, it was the most amazing luxury vehicle that existed based on what I had been driving in the past, right? So here I am in this amazing Volkswagen Passat driving down the road. I got my best friend in the car. We're like, hey man, check this thing out. It's got one of these transmissions. that's not really manual, but you can like click it down and drop the gear. And all of a sudden we're driving down the road. The car is like, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is supposed to be the car that doesn't do these things. And we're shaking down the road. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, it's fine. I had a mechanic look over it before I got it. It's good. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Did we check this? And we're checking the gauges. Nothing's coming up on the dashboard. I'm like, what's wrong with the car? What's wrong? And I'm calling up my family member who's a mechanic. And he's walking me through all these things. And he's like, Honestly, I, I can't think of what would be wrong with the car. Like, we checked everything, and it's fine, except you're driving down the road like this, and that's not supposed to be happening, right? Well, I, I feel like I've exhausted almost every option. I'm like, I'm going to go have to pay a couple hundred dollars just to say nothing's wrong again, and I'm getting really nervous. And my girlfriend, who's now my wife, my girlfriend looks at me, she goes, is that one of those cars that's supposed to have a higher octane of gas in it? Let me check. And sure enough, my Volkswagen run on 87 is doing this, right, going down the road, and I had to put a higher octane of gas. And, but what I didn't realize is that was the beginning of a very fateful season of me in this Volkswagen. It seemed like every other month something else needed repaired, right? And I don't mean to throw Volkswagen under the bus, but this one, right, like this one, no pun intended, Volkswagen bus, get it? Okay, so anyway, like... I had such a hard time. It seemed like this repair and then that repair and the tie rod broke and this needed fixed and there was a wobble in that wheel and this happened and this and this and over and over and over. And I'm like, every repair, I'm like, okay, finally, this will be the repair. This will be the one that if I get this fixed, then it's going to go back to this amazing and then something else would break, right? Okay, this will be the repair that if I finally fix it, then something else would break. And then this will be, and by the time that I finally gave up, I had put more money in the car in repairs than I invested in purchasing it. Because I just kept buying into the fact that this, this is the next one. And what happened was, is I was totally bought into this car because I was literally bought into this car. 
You see, the first five vehicles I had, I, I didn't care about. I didn't invest a thing into them, right? 500 bucks total for five cars. Four of them were free. You do the math. Okay, and it was just, it was a bad deal. But finally, when I put like all of my savings into a new car, well, that was my baby. And it was going to be the one that worked. And I wanted everything that I had to make sure that that worked. You see, Jesus knew this principle, and that's why he's showing us. He says, listen, where your treasure is, your heart is. Where, in, where you invest your resources, you're going to care about that. Where you invest your time, you're going to care about that. Where you invest your priorities, you're going to care about that. Where you invest your treasure into something, your life is going to follow. It's the way that it works. And so Jesus is pointing out this passage to us, and he's pointing out this life truth, and it's clicking in me like I have to start investing my life into something else. Because what was happening is I was getting stuck when I was in this place in college, I was getting stuck in a self-swirling, like, faith, like, weirdness where it was just all about me. And the reason I was getting stuck is because the scripture does not tell us that. The scripture does not say it's all about us. The scripture says we're supposed to be investing in others. And so Jesus has another passage, another great lesson for us in Matthew 20. So flip a few pages to the right. And Jesus talks about he's got all of his disciples together and he's explaining what it means to, uh, for leadership, for different people in power and how they're interacting with those of us that aren't. And Jesus called his disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They lord their authority over people, and the high officials exercise their authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If we want to be great, we have to serve, right? If we want to be great, we have to be the servant. Now, at first read, we're like, okay, of course, Jesus always had these kind of challenges that were a little bit different. But I want to really extrapolate a little bit on how much, how natural this other way of thinking is for us. We love to be right. Am I right? <laughs> We love to be correct. We love to be in power. And if we ever have an opportunity to be in that position, we're in. You ever been in an argument with someone and you realize suddenly that you're wrong about halfway through and you're like, doesn't matter, right? You're just going to go for it because you want to win that argument and you just want the benefit of winning. You ever been in an argument and halfway through the other person acknowledges that you're right, but you're like, but you need to know why I'm right, right? I need to explain this to you so that you understand how incredibly smart and how much I've thought through this, right? You need to know the depth of your wrongness. I'm incredible. You're there. So I want to make sure that you know this, right? The other day, this happens. You probably don't have any issues whatsoever with any level of road rage. But every once in a while, for me, I get a little bit angry when I'm driving because I'm right. And if everybody would drive like me, we would never have a car accident ever because I know how to drive, right? The other day, just yesterday, I was coming up on Y Road there in Bath, right where it crosses over Granger. And I was coming up behind another car who was slowing to a stop, and across the way was a car that was already stopped. No traffic happening on Granger. 
The car across the street, who was at the two-way stop sign first, hint, hint, all right, looks across the way and waves the person in front of me to go on. I'm like, okay, that's fine. They're turning left. They're just being polite. So I pull up in a pickup with a trailer in the back. It's not like I'm in a quick little, here we go. And I pull up to the stop sign. Like, it's obviously the other person's turn at this point. Not only were they there before the person in front of me, they were definitely there before me. And there's still no traffic. It's not like they're waiting for traffic. There's not a car to be seen. And they're just waiting. So eventually, because I'm in a truck and a trailer, right, I'm not going to just quickly get past. I'm like, go ahead. And they go, do, do you not... Do you not have a driver's license? Do you not know how this works? Like, I mean, and it's not, you know, not the bus stereotypes, but it's like a 40-plus-year-old guy. It's not like, I mean, he should know. This is how a two-way stop sign works, right? And he's, oh, and what I, I'm in this truck and trailer. What I wanted to do is just pull it out in the middle of Granger Road, stop it, get out of the truck, say, listen, okay, so when you're at a stop sign with somebody, okay, what's going to happen is, Right? And we feel that way every time we're in some type of driving tiff, right? If you're ever at a four-way stop, which should never be complicated, hint, okay? But if you're ever at a four-way stop and someone starts doing all the gesturing and stuff like that, it, like someone is going to be like, right? Because they don't know what's going on and they, we always want to be correct, Matter of fact, there's even a, a, a cultural cliche that we all buy into, right? If you want it done right, did you notice how everyone in the room knew what that was? We all think if we want it done right, do it yourself, every one of us. Which means, apparently, there's a lot of ways to do it right. But boy, do we like to be right. And boy, do we like to be in charge. There's a reason that Jesus was flipping this upside down. There's a reason. This isn't just if you're a boss. This isn't just if you're in some type of government leadership. This isn't just if you're in some position of actual authority. This is life. That you don't lord your authority. You don't lord your correctness over people. But instead, we serve just like Jesus gave, the Son of God gave us the example of giving up his life to serve and to give up his life as a ransom for many. And he's flipping this idea that we're so naturally prone to upside down. Because if we want to see other people's lives be impacted by the incredible nature of who God is, something incredible has to happen. And so as we continue to dive into this understanding, we have to start kind of surveying, what does this then look like? What does it look like for, for people who we start to see this in, we start to think through the people that we know live at least a little bit this way, that are servants, that will give of their lives for others. As a matter of fact, if you made a list of all the people that you could think of in your life that impacted your life for the better, that impacted it positively, I bet that, li that list is heavily dominated by people that lived this way. It's the teacher that gave the extra time that didn't have to. It was hours after school, and they helped you walk through that project or help you figure out a facet of life. 
It's the coach that saw something in you, and so after practice or before practice, they would meet up with you and show you the technique, show you the discipline, show you that particular workout. It's the boss that realized that there was something more, right? And they realized that helping you develop as a person or a skill set was more important than then keeping you on their team. They served you. And as you look through that list of the people that impacted you, those are the types of people that probably completely dominate the list. Because Jesus knew that this is the way to impact and actually serve other people. As I've kind of looked at the landscape, as I've looked amongst the church, as I look into the community, as I look around the world and I see people whose lives are actually creating a ripple effect of impact into others' lives, a common common denominator that I found was that volunteers... Servants do not serve in their free time. They make time to volunteer. We're all busy. We all have stuff going on, right? There's always something else to do. Everything that you want to get done at home, that list is ever-growing. Everything that you want to better about yourself never stops. I don't know if you know this, but we get older and slower and grayer, and we can fight it and try to slow it down, but there's always something else to do to make your life better. That list never stops. If you have a job, you know full well that that to-do list never stops. I I just checked the other day. I have like 367 items on my to-do list, right? And even if you have a really good day where you're like, man, I knocked off like 12 things off my list today. Whew, that felt really good. You look back at your list and 18 things were added. There's never a shortage of things to do. So when you look at someone that is serving where their life is making an impact, you can't, we can't assume that that person just has all the free time in the world. That suddenly it's like, well, apparently they don't have a to-do list. Apparently their health is actually on the incline naturally. Apparently their, their home, their work, they have nothing happening. So that's why they're able to volunteer. That's why they're able to pull this off. That's why they're able to make an impact. No, they're, they're, priori- they're saying, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus, and I'm going to give up at least a portion of my life as a ransom for many. I'm going to serve so that the greatness of others can begin to, I want to see my life count for something more. Now this can look a myriad of different ways. And whether we're just trying to figure out what this might look like or whether we're kind of like seasoned in exploring what service looks like for us, it's a smatter, some of us, we got involved in something called the Go and Do Weekend a few weeks ago here at church. It was incredible, 1,600 volunteers going out into the community over the course of two days, doing all kinds of crazy projects. It was amazing, and the impact and the things that got done, it was awesome. And I just, just this week, got another handful of thank you letters addressed to the church for people that were just blown away at what you guys were able to accomplish that weekend. It was unreal. And for some of you, that was like a first thing that you've ever really done when it comes to volunteering or serving, which is incredible. And it was so fun to give up a couple to multiple hours to actually see those things happen. This coming weekend, uh, in a week from now, we'll be wrapping up a half million meal pack to put meals in the hands and the bellies of starving children all around the world. A half million meals. 
And most of us will serve about a two-hour shift, hairnets are on us, and it's going to be absolutely incredible to see what a few hours of collective energy can actually see happen over the course of three days. And that might be an amazing way for you to kind of start the process of what it means to serve. But both of these types of examples, they're meant to be like taste testers. Isn't it incredible to give a bit of your life for the benefit of others? That two hours of your life wearing a nasty-looking hairnet, because we all look amazing in them, bling, okay, like, but that two hours drastically impacts that child's life. The way that they work out those meals is where they, th that kid will be fed for a year. Your couple hours of service makes a huge impact. So imagine what a lifestyle of service could begin to look like as you begin to serve other people. Another thing that I've found when it comes to this idea of service is that it always looks like give it away. And I know that that seems cliche, but it always looks like give. Something from me is going to become not mine. I'm going to give. Whether it's my time, I'm no longer going to make this time my own, but instead I'm going to dedicate it to someone else. I'm going to prioritize what you need done. I'm going to prioritize your task list. I'm going to prioritize your needs, and I'm going to compassionately offer myself to you. I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to give these finances or these resources, and I'm no longer going to be the steward of them, but instead I'm going to give them to you because you're in need, and I want to make sure that your needs are met. I'm going to give. I'm going to use these, even though this skill set could probably make my life better or make me more money or... I'm going to give that skill set to this person, this family, this organization, this community, because I realize that that skill set could make a great impact over here. I'm going to give. I'm going to give it away, right? Some of us, we've dreamt about this before. Some of us, we've, been, we've sat in settings like this before. And we've made a list, and we've taken a note, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make a step, and I'm actually going to do this, and I want to see this happen, which is great, but then it never goes away. It stays in a notebook. It stays in a Pinterest board. It stays in a place where we're dreaming, but we never give it away. Remember, volunteers don't volunteer in their free time. Volunteers make time to see it happen. At some point in time, our life has to be given away. And then we give it away. The people that are making the greatest impact all over the globe are giving it away. They're giving the story of Jesus away. They're figuring out, they're praying consistently to see something happen for the message of Jesus to begin to resonate with the people that they're serving on some <coughs> basis. It's not just a meal. It's a meal and I'm praying for you. It's not just a meal. It's I'm going to sit down with you over the course of the next upteen months and I want to get to know you and I want to get to know your story and I want to help you see how your life does in fact intersect with your creator. At some point in time, I want you to know the gospel because we can be well fed and have everything that we need physically and even be emotionally and compassionately cared for but at the end of the day, our eternity does exist. 
And the fact of the matter is, is our day-to-day lives, your, your neighbor, your family member, that coworker, that classmate, every day that goes by that they don't know Christ is another day that they're living a life without actual hope. And so at some point in time, we have to actually give it away and help people understand the incredible nature of who Jesus is. Because that conversation is not us saying we're right. It's us serving and inviting people into the most amazing thing that's ever happened to us. We're giving the life of Jesus away. Now, some of you, as I talk about what it means to give it away, you're like, boy, Joe, that feels really intimidating. I'm not ready for that. I don't know enough. What if they ask a question? I'm not good enough. My life is still, I feel like it's a mess. Jesus is doing some stuff, but I'm not ready for that. God calls each and every one of us to this. If you, if you were a kindergartner that just moved to a new community in January, you walk into that classroom for the first time and you look around and all of these other five-year-olds have already been in that class for at least five months. Who is the best person to start showing you around on how things work as a kindergartner? It's another kindergartner. It's another student who's been there for four months who's five years old. This is the boot cubby where we keep our boots when it snows outside. And here's where we put our lunch boxes, and here's where Mrs. Smith puts up our gold stars. I have three. Like, the kindergartner, right? They're in kindergartner. They're, they're five is the best person to show the new kindergartner how it works. You, maybe you're like, I've been following Jesus for two weeks. Excellent. As you get an opportunity to start sharing it, you can share why you decided to become a follower of Jesus and what you've been learning so far. I'm not asking you to get into all the different theological ins and outs of how this works and how that works. You share your life as it's been intersecting with the life of Christ. If you've been a believer for a couple of years, you're like, right, what's God been doing in your life so far? We begin to share that and we live that. And the best thing about that type of progression where we give away what we've been knowing and living so far is when we're giving that away, it actually drives us right back into know it and live it. Because you know what? They are going to ask a question. And just like in any other arena of life, what would we do? Hey, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, that's so much pressure to decide right now. Uh, you know what? I'm not your friend anymore. And you run away. Like, we don't do that, right? We think about it. We get back to you. Like, we look at our list of our favorite restaurants. Where have I gone recently? You know what? It's Luigi's. Because, of course, and the right answer is Luigi's. Okay, but... We'll figure out the answer to the question because you're our friend and I have a relationship with you. If they ask a hard question, that's fine. You live life with them. You study, you go ask someone, you do a little bit of digging, and you come back and say, hey, I know you had that question a week ago. I went back and I tried to figure it out, and here's what I'm finding. It's really awesome. It's okay if you have those questions. It dives you back into know it, and it dives you into live it, where you're actually now praying with one another. Hey, I got this friend, I got this classmate, I got this coworker that I'm I'm praying for and I'm, I'm trying to love on, I'm trying to serve. And suddenly there's a synergy and a momentum of know it, live it, and give it away. That's incredible. Now, 
if we're willing to let God do something incredible, then we can dive into this wholeheartedly. So I have a story I'd like to share with you, but I have to change the names to protect the innocent. I had a run-in with a business about two months ago, and we'll call it a dry cleaning company, okay? It's not a dry cleaning company, but we'll call it a dry cleaning company. And my run-in with this business is I take my particular owned item to this company and they ruin it, okay? Something is ruined, right? And I have to talk with it. It's like very obviously they ruined it, like not even a question. They actually had it on camera. It's like not a question. They ruined my thing, all right? So like I go to this dry cleaning company and I fill out an incident report right away. I didn't even leave the facility yet when I realized what's happening. Hey, this happened. They had me fill out this paper. I'm like, great, we'll get back with you and we'll let you know how it's gonna play out. And I was just curious. So I'm like, I wonder if anyone else has had this problem at this dry cleaning company. And so I get online and I start looking at Google reviews and Yelp reviews and Better Business Bureau reviews and all these kind of things. And what I'm seeing, I'm not liking. Okay, like all these kind of things with these run-ins with this manager and this guy and the other. And I'm like, oh boy. And I'll, I'll just give you a hint. It was hundreds of dollars in damage, right? This wasn't like a, you owe me five bucks and you're going to pay for it, doggone it. This is hundreds of dollars. It's an expensive article of clothing. Uh, but it was... <laughs> So I'm like, you're going to do something about this, right? So my natural tendency, kind of like over at Y Road, is to pull the truck up and get out the door and say, listen, this is how this works, okay? That was my inclination. But I felt this kind of overwhelming sensation call conviction where God was telling me, I want you to be incredibly overbearingly serving and kind with this company. So I call him up and I said, hey, my name's Joe. I filled on an incident report a couple days ago, just wondering, hey, you know, where's that? I know you guys are busy, you got a lot going on, but you know, like just kind of wonder where that was at. Oh yeah, we haven't been able to get through all the, uh, that made me nervous already. We haven't been able to get through all the claims. I'm like, hmm. Uh, but you know, they're kind of pushing me off a little bit and I'm like, okay, maybe you're trying to stall me, hoping I won't call back again. But I'm like, I'll let you answered me, I'll hang up. I don't hear anything back for another couple of days. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down. I have this same overwhelming conviction to be kind. And so I walk into the dry cleaners. And I, wa I walk into the dry cleaners and I walk up to the guy. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. Uh, he's the one that's apparently handling my account. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, oh, great. Like, again, I, I know you're I'm busy. I just happened to be driving by. I thought I'd stop in. It's like, actually, we just looked at the... Like I said, it was on camera. I looked at the tape, and we had this question about this. So I answered a question. He goes, okay, well, I'm not really sure. Well, over his shoulder, I see this guy who just kind of has that look like he's the owner. You know, like you kind of how you know you walk into a place, and there's everybody that works there, and then there's the one person, right? And she's like, she's in charge. He's in charge. Like, and he has that look, and he's watching this interaction. It's like, all right. So I, and I felt, again, that overwhelming be kind. So I'm like, yeah, it's great. Like, whenever you can get back to me, that'd be fantastic. Let's just make sure we walk through these. Like, oh, yeah, we'd love to help you out, Joe. That'd be great. Well, the, the owner then walks up to me and says, hey, how are you doing? And I was right. I'm the owner of this place. That's fantastic. We're going to try to get this worked out for you. Oh, that'd be great. I know you guys are a reputable company. I know you guys are going to handle this. That'd be absolutely fantastic. He shakes my hands, but we're your, we're your clothes clean. 
I mean, the part that wasn't destroyed, sure, it was nice and clean and pressed. Thank you very much for asking, right? So we're having this interaction and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, it works out. They cut me a check, and they cover it. The next weekend, this guy walks into the church on Easter Sunday. He's the manager at this dry cleaners. And he notices me in the lobby. And he walks right up to me. Hey, how's it going? Like, hey, did everything work out? Yeah, you guys were fantastic. He's like, I'm so glad we could help you out that way. That was absolutely fantastic. And three minutes later, I walk up on stage. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Grace Church. I'm so glad you could join us for Easter Sunday. Now imagine this guy's surprise if I would have went with my default and walked in, called up this place of employment and walked in, listen, morons, this is how this is going to work. You owe me this much money. You obviously ripped it off. You're going to do this, and I'm going to stand here till you cut me the check because you ain't moving me out this door. Trust me. <laughs> it ain't happening. Right? Like, because <laughs> like, that was what I wanted to do. And then two weeks later, he's like, maybe I'm going to try out this church, and he gets up here, and I walk up here. Hi, welcome to Grace. Like, well, that guy's a moron. All this loving Jesus sacrifice stuff. Obviously, that guy who apparently is a pastor at this church doesn't believe in that. And suddenly, his impression of who God is is totally destroyed. See, if we're willing to be intentional with how we give our lives to people, if we're willing to set aside our rights, our times, our priorities for the purpose of serving and helping other people see the incredible nature of who God is, even when we're not looking, God can do something incredible through our life. And we don't always get to see that story, right? Like you might have had the exact same interaction with that exact same dry cleaner and you just sat the road down from him and didn't realize it was happening. But it's a part of how God works because he knows that if we're willing to give our lives as a ransom for many, just like he did, if we're willing to be the servant, then something incredible can happen. Some of us, it's just time to take a step. Maybe you've tried something before and you liked it or you weren't sure about it. But this concept keeps coming back. I need to give my life to something. I need to serve people. I want to encourage you to take that step. I, I actually, I don't care where it's at. Serve here at the church. We have lots of ways for you to invest your lives in the people. Serve in the community. Go full hard, like full bore on the people that you're praying for and want to see know and love Jesus. Figure out ways to love them and serve them and help them understand the incredible nature of who God is. Move overseas, right? You're like, well, that's crazy. We have someone doing it this week. Someone this week is moving overseas to give their lives to the gospel, to help other people know who Jesus is in an extreme setting. It happens. Somehow, some way, we gotta take the step. Maybe it's a small one. Maybe this is the moment where you're realizing God wants you to take a big one. But whatever it is, let's make it consistent. Let's give ourselves intentionally to a lifestyle where we're willing to serve, where we're willing to give it away. We're willing to give our lives to other people to see an upside-down result 
happen, where people can be impacted by our intentional and our indirect service. Maybe you have a name coming across your mind right now, someone you want to invest into. Maybe it's an organization. You've been, maybe it's a, I've been meaning to sign up for the thing and I haven't pulled the trigger and I, whatever it is, let, let's do that this weekend. Let's engage. Let's be intentional. And let's allow then our connection with God to not only begin to transform us like we've never seen it happen before, but watch God use us then to impact other people's lives like we could have never expected. Because servants don't just serve in their free time. They make time to serve. It's an intentionality. It's a followership of the life and the heartbeat of Jesus. The band's going to come up here, and we're going to spend some time with a couple of songs to just kind of reflect and look at him Because not only is he incredible in his nature to reach out to us, but he's incredible that he invites us to play a part in other people's lives. And so let's take this time to pray through, to reflect, maybe to make that list, maybe make a couple notes, maybe even send a text to the person that you've been meaning to reach out to. But let's use this time to reflect and look at God and and pray. As they come up, will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful, so, so, so grateful The life that you offer us is incredible. It's so otherworldly. It's so much bigger and so much more grandiose than anything we could come up with on ourselves. The impact that we can be making for other people is far greater than what we would imagine. The way in which you could use our lives is more intentional and more amazing than we would come up with. God, help us to have a lifestyle of service. And as life creeps its way back in and tries to distract us and tries to keep us from actually becoming a servant. Encourage us, motivate us, remind us that someone did this for us, that someone sacrificed for us, that you sacrificed for us. God, use us. Use our lives to be a reflection of yours so that others can be changed. And it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.